There's a pretty nice view from Mountain Bill. I said Kathleen MacArthur to her friend Judith Wright on a bright summer's day. And I don't know about you, but my greatest fears are that someone will take all this beauty away. So let's fight, oh let's fight for it, I say. Bread and Dripping Days, Part Two, a lunch hour theatre script by Kathleen MacArthur. Kathleen wrote Bread and Dripping Days based on memories from her childhood in the 1920s. It was published in 1977. Once children commenced school, Saturday morning rituals began. Before breakfast, there was a cup of senna tea, which was somehow acceptable when a mother made it, but ghastly and revolting if the maiden aunt gave it out when she was in charge. Blow, blow, thou winter wind. Thou art not so unkind as ungrateful children. Tea was followed by breakfast and the washing up done. The beds stripped and made up with fresh sheets, not forgetting the top-to-bottom dodge. Just the thought of it brings back the scent of unbleached calico, a smell so sweet that acts like a drug to lull young children off in a sense of security to the land of a peaceful sleep. Next on the Saturday schedule, fingernails and toenails cut, and then came the preparation for the Saturday bath, commencing with a common but not openly discussed task of massaging each small head with a mixture of olive oil and two drops of kerosene. This ensured that each child was nice and clean, and most importantly, lice-free, as not to impugn any reputational damage to the respectability of their parents. Saturday baths were different from the baths on any other day of the week, not just because of the hair-washing ritual, but mostly due to the fact that we got to play before the final tip of cold water was run over the top of our heads. We'd soap up the curved rim of the bath and then swoosh around on our little bare bottoms, sliding along the curved end before splashing down into the water from the back of the bath. This sent an enormous tidal wave over the sides and straight onto the bathroom floor. Despite the weekly hair treatment, the dreaded curse of nits sometimes fell on the head of an innocent child through the school week. A thoughtless little scratch of the head in mother's line of sight would see the fine comb brought out and an entire afternoon wasted on having one's hair combed over a pillow. I recall a girl at school, a most distinctive-looking child. Imagine big brown freckles speckled over her pale white skin, all framed by a long tangle of auburn ringlets cascading down her back. Whoever sat in the desk behind her could expect a delightful afternoon of the most unusual entertainment, a complete distraction from the classroom lesson. If you were patient, sure enough, down a ringlet would crawl a dirty louse. Round and round it would descend, following the strand of hair, until it got to the bottom. Then it would pause for a while, until it made up its mind where to go next, Would it drop off or not? Mostly it did not. Perhaps it felt it would not be safer elsewhere, 
and it was probably right. So back up the ringlet it would crawl, round and round again, until it finally disappeared from view. On a dreary school day, this interlude was nearly as much fun as watching the monkeys at the zoo. Children growing up in the 1920s were expected to follow rules and schedules, respect their elders, mind their manners and do as they were told. Their weeks were filled with an assortment of household chores. Thursday was mending day. Why Thursday? Well, Saturday was bath day and time for a bit of a play. Sunday was family day with church in the morning and a big midday meal. Sunday afternoon was for visiting friends or an afternoon drive in the country. On Monday afternoon, children helped to fold the sheets. Tuesday, a busy afternoon of starching, tablecloths, serviettes and each collar and cuff of gentlemen's shirts. Wednesday was house cleaning day, inside and out, with Friday devoted to baking for the coming week. Well, that left Thursday, the logical choice for mending day. Groceries were ordered and delivered. It was only when something in the order had been forgotten that a trip to the corner shop became necessary. If anything was left off the grocery list, say a pound of butter or a dozen eggs, a trip to the shop became a great responsibility and the possibility of a sweet reward. Children were especially happy to run this errand. However, there were often casualties with such a delicate assignment especially as each egg was separately wrapped in a piece of newspaper, then the whole dozen placed together in a paper bag to carry home. Our commission for this job was a penny for an ice cream or only a halfpenny, which would purchase gumboils of the sugary sweet kind. With a penny, one could buy a lamp post, a pyramid-shaped lolly on a stick, distinctively coloured in green, yellow and red. It would be interesting to know what the shopkeepers did with all the leftover reds and greens, as every child with worldly knowledge of such important matters knew the reds were made from blood and the green were deadly poisonous. That was gospel. Bread and dripping days were giggling days. Often all that was required to set up a giggle session was for someone to begin. This was especially true amongst little girls. At other times... Certain words, dirty words, of course, were highly infectious and could spark one off. There was a little fly who flew into the store. He pooped on the ceiling and pooped on the floor. He pooped on the lollies and pooped on the jam and pooped all over the grocery man. The grocery man got his little gun to shoot that fly on his little brown bum. But before he could count to five or ten, the little brown fly had pooped again. Little girls had little brothers, and those little brothers had naughty friends. Boys aren't just naughty, they disgusting. Smoking cow dung rolled in dirty newspaper. Ugh! What are little boys made of? What are little boys made of? Frogs and snails and puppy dogs' tails. And that's what little boys are made of. What are little girls made of? What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and all things nice, and that's what little girls are made of. All children sometimes do things no respectable, God-fearing, good Christian families could condone, like putting tacks right across the road that cause punctures in the friendly neighbour's car tyres. 
Punishment for naughtiness was rarely severe in the Evans family. For bad table manners came the order... Take it onto the doormat. But it was never enforced. The insult worked alone. For cheeky speech, the child was sent into the naughty corner with their face turned to the wall. Every now and then, Dad himself needed a little punishment. Once, late home for dinner, Mother came up with a devious plot. Let's punish him. How? We'll keep a secret from him. What will it be? I know. I'll get another baby and we won't tell him anything about it. In the enthusiasm that followed, the idea of punishment was but forgotten. But who could have foreseen the consequences? The very next morning, the local MLA was driving past in his sulky. When he offered to drop my sister off at her school. Can you imagine his surprise when from the mouth of an innocent child came... Mother is getting another baby and Daddy doesn't know anything about it. Children by instinct will find the world around them rich in entertainment. For instance, those green frogs which before the days of cane toads could be found in cool places like letterboxes and around water meters. Frogs feel funny when held in the hands, cold and soft, but they are beautiful. Some children said they gave you warts and so should not be picked up at all. But those children were not blessed with a sense of wonder, were they? Then there were the lovely necklaces which could be made from flowers. We made them with clover flowers that grew through the lawn. They were so easy to make. Just a slit in the stalk of one with your thumbnail and the stem of the next one was simply slipped through. Frangipani trees, though abundant, were not good climbing trees because the branches broke if children swung from them. Camphor laurels were good providers for other games too, for apart from the climbing, which was safe and easy, the berries could be used as produce in make-believe shops or for making perfume. But when the juice was smeared over one's face, it left a stain that was hard to wash off. Secrets were shared with very special friends and gardens provided lots of material for such secrets. Like the buds of flowers that went pop when hit on the forehead, commonly referred to as buddy things, which made some people say, what was that you just said? We planted the little ferns which grew under the house in tins and they became our secret. Then there were the daisies that told you who you would marry. Tinker, tailor, soldier, sailor, rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief, and also when. This year, next year, sometime, or never. A day in the life of a child in the 1920s often seemed an eternity. To live every moment of it was tiring. So when the day was at its end, all good children needed to go to bed early so they would wake fresh to meet whatever lay ahead. Clean your teeth. Did you remember to say your prayers? Here I lay me down to sleep and pray to God my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray to God my soul to take. There are four corners on my bed, there are four angels at my head. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, bless the bed that I lie on. 
This podcast series was produced by the Sunshine Coast Council Heritage Library with the support of a strategic priority grant from the State Library of Queensland. This series was produced in 2022 and may not be reproduced for any commercial or non-commercial interest.